Well, good morning. I thought y'all were either just testing my skills by calling the audible or just telling me how much of a football congregation y'all are. So I came, before I was in Richmond, um, we were in Gainesville, Florida, and I forgot the number of football illustrations they said that you are used in an SEC football town when football season rolls around, but it was obnoxiously high. Um, so, but it is good to be here. I, I'm glad to be here to share God's word with you and um, be led through it. And so we are going to be looking at the book of Colossians, um, and you'll see me, I believe, for the next four weeks. So we're going to look at pretty much all the book of Colossians in different chapters each time, a little bit each time. Um, there's only four chapters in the whole book, so if you get a chance uh, as we're going through this, read it once a week. It'll take you about ten minutes. Um, but that way you'll be familiar with it, uh, and you can hold me accountable if I get off track. Um, but that way you'll know what's going on um, as well. But as we come into God's word, let's pray and pray for him to open up our eyes, our hearts, our minds as we look for his instruction. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you. We thank you that you are a God that loves your people. We thank you that you are a God that did not remain a mystery and has not remained a mystery. But has given your word for your people to know, to read, to study to put into their minds, to think about, and through the Spirit to apply to our hearts and our lives. God, we pray this morning that you open up our hearts and our minds, our eyes, our ears. Help me to speak your truths that are found in your word. Father, take it, challenge us. Show us our sin and show us your redemption. Show us our weakness and find for us your strength. Show us our sin and redeem us through your mercy. Father, we thank you for your word, and we lift it up to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in the book of Colossians, and we're going to jump ahead just a little bit. Uh, we're going to start in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, and uh, we're going to read that starting. So if you have a Bible, whether it's in paper form or electronic form, I ask you to turn to it. This is Colossians 1. Uh, verses 9 through 14. And if you're physically able, if you'll stand with me as we read God's Word this morning. This book was written by Paul through the work of the Spirit and written to the church at Colossae. And it says, in starting in verse 9, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So as we dig into this book, just a little context of what's going on, a little background to what is happening. Um, Paul is in prison at this point and he is writing a letter to a group of believers in Colossae, the city of Colossae. 
Um, and imagine if you had a friend who came to you and said, hey, I have a group of people who you don't know, but I want you to write a letter to them and help and challenge them. And so that's what's happening here with Paul. Epaphras, who Paul had known from um, his time in, in Ephesus, has come while Paul's in prison. And he has shared that, hey, I've started, by God's grace, I've started a church in Colossae. There's a group of believers there. And they're struggling with some false teachings that are coming in. And I'd like you to write a letter on behalf of me. Now, probably they have heard of Paul and who he is because Epaphras was his friend. But I need you to come and, and send them a letter. And, and write to them and help me help them grow in what's going on and in the love of Christ. And so that's kind of a context as what we look at. And as we read the, the passage from Ephesians, one of the things you'll find in Paul's letters is this repeating theme of how Paul has prayed. So we read in Ephesians that Paul prayed for the people to grow spiritually. And here again, we're reading in Colossians, written to a different city, a different group of people. Again, Paul's praying for this group of believers to continue to grow spiritually. And so as we dig in, I want you to think about, and the title uh, off the audible was praying for your brothers and sisters. And so as you look around, take a look to your left and right for a minute and ask yourself, am I praying for my brothers and sisters in this church? Do I lift up my brothers and sisters throughout the week? Do I know what's going on in their lives enough to know how to really pray for them? Do we give the response that I know I am guilty of at times when I hear somebody tell me of a problem or a struggle that says, I'll pray for you. And then the week comes and I forget to pray. But so Paul's here and he's, he's received this message and I want to look at how does Paul pray for this group of people? What's he asking for? And then how do we call, how are we called to pray for each other and the church of Jesus Christ? And so if we look again, it says, I'm going to give you four different types of prayers this morning. And we're going to start in verse 9. It says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so his first prayer out of this is he says, and so we pray for you, and he's praying for them to know God fully. Do you pray for your brothers and sisters to know God fully? His words here says, since we've heard of the faith that they have, we've, it says, and so and since the day we heard, when Epaphras came, we found in verse Seven, just above this, it says, we learned from Epaphras, our fellow brother servant, that he had started this church and there's faith and there's growth growing in the, in the group in Colossae. And he says, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled, filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so as we think of our brothers and sisters, when we first prayers, and what we might think of is to pray that we know each other fully. Pray that we know God fully. Pray that we know the God who has a love for us and is leading and guiding us that we would know him fully. It's interesting, we, we prayed multiple times. I thought y'all had already preached the sermon for me. We prayed through the whole service as we came in today, right? We prayed for God to start the service. We prayed through the confession 
of how God knows that we confess our sins, but then he meets us with his mercy and grace. We prayed again for God to show us his word and what is going on in his word and how we might grow in wisdom, open our hearts and our minds. And then we even say, before we had the sermon, that God would do what? Have his own way in us. And we remember that verse at the end, I pray. And so there's this call that goes on and on that we are called to pray. Praying for each other and asking that we may be filled. Not half filled, not quarter filled, but full with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so when we start thinking about that and start thinking about in our, in our lives, how do we get full? One is by acknowledging our weakness and our emptiness. Two is by using the graces and the knowledge that God gives us. Opening your Bible and knowing God's word that we know the will. The will of God is here for us. What he wants for us. How he calls us to act. How he calls us to live. How our thoughts are to be. It's found in here. On the flip side, we also learn on who God is. God's loves. God's promises. God's power. And he's saying, I want you to be full of that. Full of that. So when problems, trials come, and I know there's problems and trials because I have my own set. And if I went around the room, and I'm not going to, but you could share your own problems. Life happens, right? Life's not happening yet. Life happens, right? Amen? Yeah, okay, it does. I know there's things that are passing on, going on in your life, good and bad. And we need to see those through the knowledge and the spiritual wisdom and the understanding of how God wants us to see them because our temptation is to go about it our own way. Or to go ask our friends what we should do without ever consulting God. Or to look at the world and the standard the world has for us and not look at what God wants. And so his prayer, his full first prayer for them, the first prayer he says in verse 9 is that they would know God fully. Remember the problem they're having. False teachers are creeping in. We have false teachings creeping in. The word is false teaching us. The world is false teaching us all the time. Of what we're supposed to have. Who our friends are supposed to be. Kids, I know that you push on your mom and dad about what your boundaries are. Because my kids push on me about what my boundaries are for them too. But you know what that keeps happening when they're adults? What are the boundaries? What, how do we follow God? What are we supposed to do? And so here again, he goes back and he says, I pray that they know God fully, full of his knowledge and his will of how they should act, how they should live, how they should be behaving with one another of all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so he's asking them to focus on that. So that's the first prayer we find in verse 9. And so we're going to go through four. But if you don't know how to pray for your brother and sister this week, I would write these down and say, hey, if I'm going to do nothing else this week, pray these, pray these four prayers for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for them to know God fully. The second one is found in verse 10. It says, pray for pleasing action. His prayer for pleasing action. And I want to say, what does that mean? But as I looked at verse 10, it says, I pray for them to know God fully so that they can do something. Verse 10 says, So as to walk in a manner of the worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. So he's saying, Fill up, pray for fill fullness in God so that they may produce something for God. Walking. One of the things I love about this church is it's full of little kids. 
So you get to experience the idea of people learning to walk all the time. And they start, I know I got five of them, they start on fours, all fours usually, and then there's this time period when you go to, I still can go faster crawling than I can walk, so I stay for crawling, but then there's some shift at some point and they figure out walking or running as, as the energy level was this morning, it was awesome. Uh, a lot of energy going on. But they're on a the go, they're, they're running, they're walking, there's an action. There's an action going on and it's an action that is producing something. And so he says here, out of the fullness that you find so as to walk, as you are filled with the knowledge and the will of the spiritual wisdom and understanding that you walk, not that you just hold on to it and stuff it in your brain and keep it under the mattress, but that you're actually doing something. There's a little tiny book. It's a Christian book and it says, just do something. That's the title. Do something. Just do something. And the whole idea is that Christians can get bogged down with our spiritual gifts or what is the big thing God wants me to do. And we're just called in a very basic level to love each other and to walk with the Lord. We can make it a lot harder than we seem to, even though it can be complicated. It says here, so, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So as we are full of the knowledge and the will, his prayer is that they take that and carry it out in their jobs, in their homes, in their families, in their studies. That they walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so there's this idea of taking what God has given us and then using it. Walking. It says in Ephesians 2.10 that we were created as God's master's pieces to do the works that he, the good works that he has prepared for us to do. We are called to walk. We're called to action. We're called to love those around us. We're called to patience. And so we're supposed to use it. It's not just supposed to sit on the shelf. It's not supposed to go in the bank account. It's supposed to be carried out to where we're living a life worthy for God. Where do we wrestle with that? Where do we struggle with that? If I asked you the question, what is success? How would you answer it? What is success? That's a big topic in my house right now. My kids are, two of my kids are in seniors in high school. And they're looking at what does post high school life look, life look like? And mom and dad are looking at like, what does post high school look like as well? Um, and we're asking the question, and they are too, you know, for them, they've learned that from society that success is, and you probably could name it, is that you graduate from high school, you go to college, and you get a job. That's what we, our society, and you earn a lot of money. Yeah. And that's where, that's what our culture tends to teach. Not all that's bad. I'm not trying to say that. But I think we're asking, what we're wrestling with, and what we're wrestling here is, is if our kids are to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in knowledge in God, that's a bigger target to me. That is a bigger target to me. That's a bigger target for your kids. That's a bigger target for people. There is no retirement in this plan. 
That's a bigger target. This is for all of life. We are called to walk this way. We are called to walk in a manner that serves the Lord. Pleasing to Him. And so his prayer is, one, that they know God fully. Because they can't do prayer two without prayer one. If you don't understand God's plan, you can't carry it out. We mix that up a lot in our society. We say, oh, God wants me to have this, but we never checked whether it was God's will or not. It looks a lot like what I want. We like to call ourselves mini-gods and, and then label it as God's will. But God's will says, hey, I want you to come and know me, know me fully, and then carry that out and walk pleasing to me that you may bear fruit for every good work, increasing in knowledge. And that we are called, you know, you already have a purpose. You already have a line for what your life is to be as you are a Christian. You are called to walk out caring, pleasing, as testifying to God, to be light for God, to glorify Him. I don't care whether you're working at McDonald's. I don't care whether you are working as an engineer at NASA. I don't care if you're an accountant. I don't care if you're married or you're single. I don't care if you're retired or you're a kid. None of that matters. We all have a purpose to know God fully and to walk with Him. That's our purpose. And we lose sight of that and we struggle with that as life comes in. So I think about this and we say prayer for pleasing action. What targets are you shooting for? If you look at your life, maybe you're shooting for education. Maybe you're shooting for a job. Maybe you're shooting for a family. Or maybe, I don't know what it is. But you have to ask, are those your main targets? Or is Jesus your main target? You have to ask, are those goals the ones that Jesus wants for you? Or how do they fall in line with that? Because if Jesus is, has to be the overarching central target. If not, you're going to get off base either way. All the time. Because we're going to go running down, chasing things of the world, and not chasing what Jesus called us to. And so Paul prays. He Paul prays in prayer one to them to know God fully. He prays in prayer two that they will be pleasing in the actions, pleasing to God and who He is and what He calls them to. And then in three, he comes with another prayer. Because it's interesting, he started with knowing God fully. That's where that they know they have to go to carry out prayer too. But then he goes back. In verse 11, and it's a prayer for God's power. Verse 11 says, May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Because he goes, started with knowing God fully, and then an action that we should do, and then going back to, what's our source? God's power. That we may be strengthened. We did a lot of acknowledging our weakness in a good way. And a lot of going God's strength today. But here again, he goes back to the source of power. Prayer for God's power. That we may be strengthened with all power, not our power, according to his glorious might for endurance, patience with joy. I don't know about y'all, but I get tired at the end of the night. We're too... There's times when I get impatient in my life when I'm waiting for the unknown. If you're in God's waiting room on some level, raise your hand. 
whether you're waiting for something that you don't know the answer. Do you ever get impatient for that? Do you ever get tired of waiting on God's plan even though you know it's good and right and it's what's supposed to happen? And so again, he goes back and he says, may you be strengthened with all power. And according to his glorious might. And so he's asking that God give us what he has promised to give us. His power, his love, his long-suffering, his worth. And so he's going back to the source of what it is. I recently heard from another a friend of mine. He was teaching his kid how to pump gas. A little boy, about six. Not strong enough to pump the tank yet. So he, the kid got the, the thing off, the, the handle off, and he put it in the car with his dad's help. And, and his dad was trying to let him do it because the kid was very independent. And, and he's got both hands on both sides and he's just squeezing as hard as he can and that, no, that handle's not moving. It's not moving. And the kid's getting frustrated and the dad's standing behind him. And finally the little boy turns to him and says, Dad, can you help me out? And the dad says, yeah, it's no problem. So he didn't move his hands, but he took his hands with him. And he gave him the power he needed, the strength that he needed to actually pump the gas. And the little boy turned to him and said, thanks, Dad. And so there's a reality there that we're looking to God. In the same way that little boy was looking to his dad to help him with the strength. Because he couldn't do it. It wasn't going to happen. The prayer is for God's power. That God fills us with his power. In Matthew, in the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, 20, it says that Jesus is over all things. And he's all power. And he's always with us. And so there is nothing that is passing out of our life that Jesus can't come along and help us and squeeze with the handle with. And make it happen that is in his will. And out of that, we just all raised our hand in God's waiting room. That there's an endurance and there's a patience with joy. And I've wrestled with that idea before. And you probably have too. That to, to be in some situation where we don't know the answer and we don't know why and we don't know what God's doing. And yet it says out of that, that we have endurance and patience with joy. Endurance and patience I can get my hand on sometimes, but joy I just struggle with at times. But what I know, if I go back to God's word and God's will, is that God says he's always with me. And God says in Romans 8 that he's using it all for his glory and for his good, and that he's going to grow us through the process. And what I tend to forget is, which is the next point, is what God has always done in the past. And so I go to the prayer four. So we have God. The prayer one is that we know God fully. Prayer two is for pleasing actions in our lives. Prayer three is for God's power. And prayer four we find in verses 12 through 14. And it's a prayer for thankful remembering. Thankful remembering. It says this. It says in verse 12 and following. Give thanks to the Father. And you find this theme which is going to keep coming out in Paul. Because it started in verse 3. In this chapter, it says, we always thank God. And so here again, Paul, who's in prison, so I'm sure he's wanting some endurance and patience too. I'm sure he's not happy with where he is on some levels. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of the darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. And so when we look at this idea, the first thing I want you to look at is the idea of thankfulness. 
which really touches the heart. It's a prayer for us to be thankful. And remember, Paul's not writing from the Hilton. He doesn't have a nice BMW sitting outside. He doesn't have all those comfort things. He's not getting a massage on Friday night. Paul's writing from a prison cell or a house arrest at this point. He doesn't have the freedom to go run around Italy and Rome where he would have been or Asia Minor. He's stuck. He's waiting on the Roman Empire, the Roman, to figure out what they're going to do with him. He has been accused of being a rebel rouser and stirring up trouble to the point of he could face death. And he's just sitting there waiting. So it's not like he's writing us from some comfortable place or writing the, the Colossians from some comfortable place. He's, he's in a tough, a tough spot. And then he says a prayer of thankful remembering. And so as we face the trials and struggles and as we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's a prayer of thankful remembering. We have to do a heart check because what our heart tends to do as we get frustrated with God for not doing it on our time and when we want it and how we want it done, where does your heart go? Anger? Frustration? Loneliness? Depression? And he says, thankfully, Paul says, with a thankful heart, because we need to focus back on Christ. We sang some songs today that I love singing, and the reason I think that God actually calls us to sing, you can go through Scripture over and over and over again, and it calls us to sing, is because it's one way of God reminding us of who He is and who we are in light of Him as His sons and daughters. There's a simple song out today, and you can find it somewhere. If you, you can Google it if you want to, and I can't tell you the title, but I can tell you the verses, and you'll probably know it. And the core verse, the chorus, is He's a good, good Father. It's who He is, it's who He is, it's who He is. And I'm loved by Him. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. And they repeat that over again. There's some, there's some verses in between, but there's a call for thankful remembering because we need to remember who we are in light of God's love and what He's done and who we, who we are in Him. And it says here, and let's just look at the words. Let's see, it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Qualified. We're on the team. We don't have to earn anything else by our faith in Jesus Christ and what He's done on the cross. We're on the team. We're there. God is not going to leave us. We are in His hands. He is guiding, watching over us. And He is going to love His children. He says He lavishes His love on His children for the good of His will and the glory of Him. We're qualified. There's nothing that we can do to disqualify us. And there's nothing we can do to add to our qualification. There's no bonus in our faith. We're there. Understand our position because what happens is we get stressed or we are the day the routine of the day gets boring or life happens and people are annoying and we get frustrated and we got to go back to say hey I'm qualified I am in Christ let me start by being thankful for who I am and what he's done and then it goes further and it gets better we're qualified and then it says you know it says we share in the inheritance of the saints we are receiving the blessing of God now and we have a place that we are going for eternity that we will receive the inheritance of Christ. God has good things for His people. Amen. And so we are, should be thankful 
thankful for what he's doing. We give thanks to the Father because we're qualified. We give thanks to the Father because we share an inheritance of blessing that he gives to the saints. You ever think of yourself? Now, I'm not talking about the saints that we're talking about within the Catholic Church that we're going to have a shrine over here. I'm talking about, but do you ever think of yourself as holy in the sense that Christ has made you holy? When you go and we walk before God this morning, Christ has covered us with his righteousness and we are wholly set apart that he sees us as righteous, as saints. We're qualified. We share an inheritance of the saints. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. We don't like to think of ourselves that way, do we? I don't like to think of myself as I'm that bad. I more like to think of myself as I'm better than you. Y'all don't ever do that? You don't compare yourselves to other people and you go, man, I know I'm messed up, but have you seen that guy? That guy is messed up. I know my sins are bad, but I'm not in prison or I'm not, you can fill in the blank or I don't gossip like she does or I don't know what this is or I don't have that problem with jealousy that they have. See, we like to make our justification by comparison to the wrong comparison. And what we need to understand is the depths of our sin. Now, we don't want to stay there. But it talks about the reality of the depths of our sin are going to render us to hell. What we deserve is eternal separation from Christ. And that's reality. We're really that bad. And he says he's delivered us from that. He's qualified us. We're sharing an inheritance. We've been delivered, not based on what we've done. When I hit Amazon and order something, now I had to order it. Now, I don't know which Amazon person is going to come up and if they're going to throw the package in my yard or if they're actually going to put it in my yard. So there's actions there on both sides. I had to do something and the guy delivered got something. We're delivered by what Christ has done and the faith that he gives us from a place that we don't want to be in. And then it says we're transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. So we're not only brought out into darkness into some neutral place, but he takes us and he puts us in a kingdom. The kingdom of his beloved son. We are brought to a place where Christ loves us. Christ has us. Christ leads us. Christ is our foundation. Christ is our capstone. Christ gives us his promises. Christ gives us a place of eternity. And we have been brought, transferred, and put in that position. And we are kept there by him, not by us. And so we get this prayer that we should be thankful in remembering that we are qualified, that we, have, we, we are sharing an inheritance with the saints, that we are delivered from a dominion of darkness, that we are transferred into the kingdom of beloved Son, and that we have redemption. You're redeemed. We are not stuck in our sin. And I'm good at sin, but I'm not stuck there. I have the power of Christ who can deliver me, who is transforming me, who is making us different in the light of who he is. Do you believe that, church? So why does Paul pray like this? Why does he pray that the people know God fully? Why does he pray that they walk in a life that is pleasing to God? Why does he pray that they should know God's power and have a thankful remembering? Because that is establishing us over and over again back at the cross of who we are, where we find our power, and how we live out our life in every moment. 
That's where our foundation lies. And why do we pray for that? Because we forget it. Why did he pray for the Colossian church right now? Because they're being led astray. And if they're focusing on Christ and who he is and what he's done and what the word is, they will stay in him. They're not going to follow the world. And so the church, I ask you, one, to pray for each other in this marriage. Think about this this week. Pray for your brothers and sisters to know God fully. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ to walk in a way that is honoring and glorifying to God. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ to know the power of God because it's real. It's limitless. It's for us. It transforms us. And pray for your brothers and sisters and yourself to have a thankful, remembering heart for who you are and what Christ has done. I told you I talked about singing and we talked about the idea of he's a good, good father. And one of the places we don't like to go as a culture and nobody wants to go in our culture is nursing homes. Nobody wants to go live in one and most people don't want to go visit one because it makes us nervous and uncomfortable. One of the beauties of singing and songs that somehow it connects to our brain is the reality of songs. So the songs that you sing over and over and over again. And one of the ways that God uses us to remind us of who we are in Him is you can go into a nursing home many times and sing Amazing Grace. And all the people that you thought couldn't remember anything will know that tune. And God uses that over and over again in the same way that He uses His Word to remind us. For those people and for us to remind us who we are in Christ. Encourage us and call us to pray for each other in that realm. My prayer for you and for me is that we will be praying for our brothers and sisters. For the things that we need, but also in a manner that really points us to Christ. We know Him fully. We walk devotedly. That we will thankfully remember Him. And that we look to Him for His power and His grace. Let's pray. Father, Your Word speaks truth through our lives. Father, Your Word encourages us and challenges us. Father, Your Word, we can find comfort. Lord, we thank You for the truth we find in Scripture. The power that is there. We thank you that you are God is alive. Who transferred us and transforms us. Lord help us to pray this week. Help us to be reminded of who we are in you. And be grateful in that. Help us to be filled with your spirit and your word. That we may follow you in a way. In a manner of patience and joy. In walking in a way that is glorifying to you. Father help us to know that you are a father. A good good father. Who has amazing grace for us. And that we are loved by you. In Jesus' name, amen.